You're listening to Q Marriage Mentors with Jeff Lutz, a podcast featuring conversations with remarkable lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender couples. What makes great relationships work? Jeff will ask the questions. You'll hear the answers. Together, we'll learn. Welcome back, everybody. Jeff here. Today, I have something very special for you. Instead of interviewing a couple like I usually do, I'm going to have a conversation with a remarkable mother about her relationship with her young transgender daughter. In this episode, Kimberly Shapley acknowledges all the mistakes she made initially and then talks about her transformation to loving and supporting not just her daughter Kai, but the entire LGBTQ community. I started our conversation by asking how her journey began. It begins with uh, Kai being my sixth born child out of seven um, and recognizing even by the age of one and a half that my kid was different than my other boys. Uh, And then that just kept progressing by the age of two. uh, Everything that you would expect from what we learn in psychology about, you know, at two and three, kids start playing with peers that they, you know, see as the same gender and they start choosing toys that they recognize as being the gender norm for them. And Kai was consistently doing all of those things just like any other girl. Um, you know, I did the research on how to fix this because I was also a minister um, you were in the Houston area. Houston area. Okay. Yeah. I served a ministry at Joel Osteen's church, uh, Lakewood church for many, many years. Um, and so I sought wise counsel, uh, on how to, you know, save my kid. So, and tell us a little bit more about that. What happened next? So Kai would get punished for turning her t-shirts into skirts and for tying things into her hair to make it look like long hair. And we researched conversion therapy and what would that look like for a toddler. Um, And we implemented those things at home. So by the time Kai was four and a half, she was consistently praying and asking the Lord to take her home to be with Jesus. That must have been terrifying as a mom. It was, and... That was the first time I think I had this thought that maybe I'm not doing the right thing. And so I began to seek out help outside of the church with licensed professionals that focus on uh, transgender youth um, because I still thought somehow that they were going to help me (laughs) fix it and stop it. Was that the moment when she was having self-harm thoughts that sort of clicked for you and made you think, or was there something else that went on? So I think even from the beginning, I would see this, you know, previously happy, joyful toddler, very bright, very articulate, even as a little two and three-year-old, I began to see that shift, um, not quite as happy, not laughing as much. Um, but again, she was consistently being punished every single day of her life for being who she is. 
And so those changes, and I feel like even then I, I like your mom heart knows, but you're conflicted because everything that you've been told your whole life, I was worried that, you know, if I didn't fix her, I was going to condemn her to eternal hell. And those are the teachings that the church often continues to reinforce, right? Like, um, you know, don't, don't let the, the devil confuse you and, you know, you have to go by God's word. And, um, so it was, it was just a challenge. I think people fail to realize that for me to accept that being LGBTQ isn't a sin, aside from just thinking that I had been wrong about the Bible, that would have meant that I thought that my pastors had been wrong and my parents had been wrong and my grandparents had been wrong and my great grandparents who I grew up around had been wrong. Like it's, it's so much bigger than just thinking that it, it, it runs really deep, right? It's almost wrapped up in our DNA by that point, you know, just how, sure how, how much you have to, to struggle with. So how did your heart change? Because as a therapist in private practice, unfortunately, I hear stories all the time with, you know, clients with parents, loved ones who are people of faith and are never able to come full circle and accept and love their children. How did you get there? So as a woman of faith, I look back now and I see all the things that came together for us. I was taking psychology courses in college at this time. I was, you know, in biology and I was in, you know, anatomy. And I, so I was getting an education on the science behind it, as well as having found the Mama Bears group, which is uh, Christian moms of LGBTQ kids. At that time, I think there was about 500 moms in the group, uh, Serendipity Doodah uh, and Free Mom Hugs. And now the group is like almost 4,000 women. Wow. Um, but finding a group of other Christian moms who understood that struggle, sharing their testimony of how they came through it was, um, it, it was still a long process and a long journey. I don't want to make it sound like it was easy because most testimonies <laughs> never are. But um, so that was such a huge huge benefit for me to have, you know, this great strong group of Christian women praying for us in this journey as well. But I found a psychiatrist who was completely donating her time to let me call her anytime I needed to. Um, we didn't have the professional relationship. She was giving me a personal relationship with her. I know now that it wasn't about me. <laughs> she literally saw this kid that needed help. And so through all this back and forth and the turmoil that I was in, um, I can remember standing out my driveway, pacing back and forth, talking on the phone with her. You know, I don't know how to fix this and I don't know how to make Kai, you know, be a boy. And I don't know how to make Kai stop being like this. And she said, let me ask you a question. She said, if you and Kai were on a deserted island and it's just the two of you, and there's a box of girl clothes there. Would you let Kai just wear the girl clothes? And I kind of chuckled and I'm like, yeah, I mean, if we're on a deserted island, it wouldn't even matter. And she said, so you do realize that your issue isn't with God because he's with you everywhere. Amazing. And that was kind of like 
the moment that I knew that I knew that we were about to get into the, the nuts and the bolts and the, I knew that the, I knew that letting Kai be herself was fixing to happen. And I knew that that was going to be hard. So you have this conversation on the phone and it's a light bulb moment and your heart begins to change and it had been changing, but what happened next? What, how did you get involved with the mama bears and all the other groups that have helped you? So I got together with the mama bears because I started frantically Google searching, like, are there any other Christian transgender people on the planet? And at that time, for, you know, over four, about four years ago now, the only thing that I could even find in a Google search, uh, was Debbie Jackson. Um, and so reaching out to her, she helped me find the mama bears. But the funny, <laughs> the funny thing is, is they didn't just let me write in the group. Um, being in the group is heavily vetted. And so you have to friend them and let them, you know, kind of look through your Facebook page and kind of get a feel. There's a lot of ways that they vet people, but they thought I was a troll because <laughs> literally everything on my Facebook was very tea party-ish, very, you know, very, very strong Christian, um, very strong beliefs and views. And so they, they <laughs> at first they wouldn't even let me, I couldn't even get vetted into the group because I was you know, so far from what they thought was safe for the other moms to even be around. So it was for safety and security for the group. They do because a lot of our, many of our moms aren't out of the closet. Um, which I know that sounds funny to some people, but as parents of LGBTQ kids, we have, we have our own coming out story. Do you find yourself still coming out today or does it feel like that's kind of done and over? No, it, the funny thing is, is, you know, this learning process that I've been on, it just doesn't end and it, I never stop coming out, you know, like right now I've just, I'm an RN, I'm a registered nurse and I just started this new position and none of my new coworkers know that I'm the mother of a transgender child. So I'm kind of starting over at the beginning, like, when's it going to be safe to tell them? And how, you know, do I just weave it into casual conversation or why do they even have to know? But then again, at some point, you know, it, it it's right. It's just weird. Like, I don't know every single opportunity um, that comes across like this is a new opportunity for me to learn how to do it better. How do you cope with it? And, and what do you do when someone reacts negatively. Yeah. I've kind of become a professional at that. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> um, I usually just go into protective mode, protect myself, protect my family, um, protect my boundaries, um, and do whatever I need to do to try to get away from that particular person. Have you ever had people throw Bible verses at you as if you'd never heard them? So it's kind of funny because in the beginning I used to always joke that, um, that the, the vast majority of the hate mail that we get is wrapped up with the Bible verse and it used to really sting, right? It used to really hurt. And now I just kind of, I'm like, you know, Lord, we're all on this journey and we all are learning and could you just help them hurry up in their journey or, um, cause I wasn't much different than that at one time. Right. 
And so in my journey, I, I changed and hopefully they will eventually change too. It sounds like maybe you have even a little bit of compassion for those who hate or judge or condemn. If we, if we don't have compassion and empathy for everyone, then how can we expect people to have compassion and empathy for us? The people that were constantly posting about, you know, negative things about Christians and negative things about, you know, this and that, those aren't the people that helped me be Kai's mom. The people that helped me be her mom are the people that eventually, even though I didn't pass the vetting, they still helped me, right? They still helped me get at least far enough in the journey for me to be safe in their group um, and loving me and praying for me and allowing me even within the, in the mom group, you know, when, when new moms come in, their language is wrong. Um, it's so easy to be offended by the way they come in talking about their kid and, and where they're at in their journey with their faith and, and their process. And so for me being in the, you know, the, the mom groups, um, that are closed and private, you know, secret little groups, um, the thing is, is that we, we are constantly learning to exercise our empathy and compassion um, within that group because that's the only way to help that mom come on a journey that could ultimately save her kid's life. There was a time that you were getting the language wrong, too. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Oh, oh, it was terrible. And, you know, it's still a learning process, right? We, we're always on this process, and um, I just chalk it up to, I mean— even my English professors can tell you that my grammar's never even been good. And so you learn and you, in, in everything, right? But, uh, and my understanding wasn't the same, right? And, you know, I, there was a time I thought being gay was a choice, even though all the science was there, right? Uh, there was a time that I thought, uh, but trans people, you know, this is a choice. Why would they do this? And, you know, but we learn and we grow. And we learn that science and our religion don't have to conflict. Um, and if it looks like they're conflicting, it means I'm not interpret interpreting the scientific data correctly or I'm not interpreting the scripture correctly. And I need to back up a little bit and find out where I'm missing the mark. How has your faith changed? So I will tell you that my faith is stronger than it's ever been. I've learned to be less judgmental because I also understand that sometimes when we know that we know that we're right, we're actually wrong. I've learned to exercise my active listening skills, which I also believe strengthens our faith. Um, in the beginning, when we were consistently being attacked with scripture, um, it was painful for me to even read my Bible. And so I went from being a daily Bible reader to backing off and, you know, trying to figure out how I could have a love for God's word again when so many people are using it as a weapon. And so what I chose to do was I just focused on Jesus and I just read the stories about his nature and his character and how he interacted with people and how he consistently ran to the marginalized um, and consistently proved that people who were stuck in their religion, the Pharisees, how wrong they were. Um, and scripturally, a lot of times the Pharisees weren't wrong, but relationally they were. And so describe that distinction a little bit more. Well, for example, when the woman was caught in adultery in the Bible, um, 
the Pharisees were all there with the stones and they were asking Jesus to stone her. So scripturally, they were well within their rights to, to tell him to stone her, right? And so Jesus didn't even argue the scripture with them. Basically, what he did in a nutshell is he asked them to look at this situation differently. And when he challenged them to do that and they did, they all dropped their stones and they walked away. And we've seen this with the church in America over the generations. Um, the churches used to justify slavery from the pulpits in the South. Um, they used to help people justify racism. You know, I was raised in Mississippi. There was a time when uh, the mindset was the darker a person's skin, the closer they were to the lineage of Cain because the Lord, you know, struck him and all of his descendants would always show that they were a descendant of Cain. We used to not let interracial couples get married because God, right? Uh, we used to not let divorced people um, get remarried because the Bible says God hates divorce. And the Bible says that if you get remarried, you are always committing adultery for as long as you're with the second person. You need to go back and marry the first spouse. So as, as we have grown in our knowledge and our wisdom, we have realized that maybe we weren't doing this correctly. So we don't even argue the scripture about slavery anymore at all, right? We don't argue the scripture or the way the scripture was taught about racism. We don't argue the scripture about divorce. Um, we Now we let divorced people get married. Now we let divorced people be pastors. Um because we know that that's not the nature and the character of Jesus. And we don't even argue the scripture anymore because we know we've missed the mark on our interpretation. What about your extended family? Were they accepting and supportive or was that a challenge as well? Um, so I come from a very large Southern family. Um, and through this journey, we um, don't have that anymore. Oh. I'm sorry. Yeah. So I, I, it's funny being the mother of an LGBTQ person because I shouldn't have a coming out story. <laughs> and I, but you do. Yeah. I shouldn't be the one disowned by family that doesn't, you know, go home for Thanksgiving. Um, but what I've learned from the LGBTQ community by bringing us into the fold is I, I have a new understanding of, of, what is commonly known as chosen family, where you, everyone needs family. You need family to survive. The world is hard on your own. So you just navigate and you pick people up along the way. Okay, great. I needed a sister. I needed a cousin. I needed, a, <laughs> I needed a sister. I needed an aunt. So you just kind of put your family together. I, you know, I have a cousin who didn't grow up in the South who was affirming from the beginning and never missed a beat. Um, you know, and I have one brother who was affirming from the beginning and had no struggle with it. Um, and that's pretty much it <laughs> out of this huge, um, Southern family. Wow. But you found the LGBTQ community to be inviting and they've sort of put their arms around you and they have, um, I know we do have some people, of course, in the LGBTQ community, um, with my, you know, always saying praise the Lord. And, you know, I'm just, I, I can be kind of triggering <laughs> for, and I understand, right? Because when I hear 
you know, when I hear people quoting scripture, I'm triggered now, right? Which is so wrong, but it's a process. But yeah, for the most part, it's been great. And, um, I honestly, the most support has been for Kai, like even like even people who I will get messages from people who will tell me that, you know, they're glad that I did this for Kai, but they're not particularly fond of me. Right. Because, um, of the early way that I treated her or the fact that I'm still a Christian, those kind of things. But just for clarifying in the beginning, when I was looking for other people who supported their transgender kids who are Christians, the stories just come across so brief. Like this is who my kids said they were. So I let my kid transition and everybody's happy. I was going to be that other mom that was going to have the story. Like my kid said that she was transgender and I fixed it so she can go to heaven and we're all going to sing Kumbaya and the world's going to be great. So I am very transparent with how horrible I was to Kai in the beginning because the biggest question for a lot of people who aren't affirming is why didn't you just tell your kid to be a boy? Why didn't you just tell him to be a man? Why didn't you just spank him? Why did you let him have girl toys? That wasn't our story. This kid did get spanked. The kid wasn't allowed to have girl toys. Like we did all these things and we didn't just do it for a week. We did this for years, you know? So I tell our story as completely as possible so that people understand that I tried to fix it, but you can't because she's born. She was born for this. God made her this way. I appreciate your authenticity because I know your story is not the only story like it. And more people need to hear someone talking truthfully about the mistakes they've made and the journey to get where they are today. So thank you for that. And tell Kai is not your only child. You have six other kids. Yes, I am the mom of seven. Um, So tell us about that. Tell us about your family and how they are in relationship to Kai. My oldest daughter uh, is much older than Kai. So she was already an adult and we were neighbors. She had her own house. I called her because she she lives out of state now. Uh, And when Kai transitioned, she was already living away from home. And I called her to tell her, you know, I was going to break this to her that, you know, there's this thing called transgender and I think that your brother is a girl. And (laughs) I was ready to break this to her. And she just kind of starts laughing on the phone. And she's like, mom, like we've always known. And as time has passed, um, I start finding out now, like Kai used to always love to go play at her house. And it was, I find out now my daughter's like, it's because I always just let Kai be Kai. And so it warms my heart to know that there was somewhere that Kai was being affirming, being affirmed and who she is, even when that wasn't what she was getting consistently in her own home. Uh, the first time we were going out in public uh, with Kai's brothers, <laughs> who, were, who at the time was, I had two tweens, uh, and I, I'm gearing up, right? Because they're in that gawkward stage of, you know, tween agehood. And I was like, sure that this was going to be devastating for them at that age. So we're going to go into town. I just want you to know that your brother's going to be wearing girl clothes. And I just want to know how this is going to make you feel. And are you okay with this? Cause it's already been happening at home because you know, Kai's turning shirts into skirts since two years old, right? Kai is bold. Kai, yes. 
Yes. So I'm telling them this and gearing them up. Like, how is this going to make you feel? You know, Kai's going to go out in a skirt. And and they're like, Mom, it was embarrassing that you made Kai wear boy clothes. Because even with head-to-toe camo and a flat-top haircut, Kai was so (laughs) flamingly feminine. It just basically looked like I had taken a girl and made her wear camo, right? So it wasn't what I feared. It just made me realize that kids are so much smarter than adults sometimes. And you're right. Kai is fierce. I, she has a very high emotional um, intelligence. You know, she, she has always known who she was and no matter how much she got punished, she was not going to back down from it. Having heard this story before, there was a way in which her fierceness kind of demanded that mom change. Yeah. So when Kai would say, you know, I'm a girl, Kai would get spanked. And so Kai would wait until I was in a position where I couldn't get to her. Either my hands were in the middle of cooking and I was busy or I'm using the bathroom or (laughs) something like that. And she would run in and be like, you know, I'm a girl. Uh, She wanted to make sure her truth was heard. Yes, definitely. And even even like at two years old, I couldn't edit the femininity out of our family pictures. You know, there were a lot of times we had family photos that I deleted off my phone. There were lots of professional photos that I had made where anything that Kai was in never got (laughs) shared or saved or anything because you could not make Kai not look like a girl. And uh, now I'm so very grateful for the hand few, handful, very few photos that survived that because they make it, it, they're so affirming to me, right? They make me realize that Kai always knew who she was. When Kai is fully grown and you're older and you're sitting around together, what is your imagination about that conversation? Honestly, I don't know what to expect with her in a way because my six other kids are kind of like predictable humans. Like, you know, I know their personality and I know what to kind of expect from them. Uh, Kai is not like any of my other kids in so many ways. Like at five years old, she was already telling me that she was, you know, going to need to have maids. And, uh, you know, I, when I yell at her about cleaning up her room, she's like, it's not my fault. We don't have a maid. And, <laughs> you know, just little things like that. Or, um, like with my other kids, we used to spank. Um, but again, with Kai, even by the age of five and six, she was telling me that, you know, psychologists say that this isn't the right thing to do for kids <laughs> or Amazing. yelling, you know, as a normal parent, you know, yelling at my kids, stop making me yell at you today. And Kai's the kid that, will, you know, even at five and six years old would say, you know, my behavior is my choice, mommy, but you yelling at us is your choice. And we're not making you do that. It's a choice that you're making. (laughs) So when I say that she has this high emotional IQ, it's just not anything I've ever dealt with. So how do I think she's going to be when she's older? I have no idea, but she promises me that she's going to have a mansion and I can live with her and have my own maids. So I feel like (laughs) we might, (laughs) we might be on that track. Um, 
I hope that society moves um, far enough, fast enough that she's not constantly feeling like she has to thank me for letting her be herself. I'm hoping that by the time she's an adult, that's kind of the norm for our society. I assume that you hold her in your prayers always. Tell us, what what do you pray for when you think about her future? With my other kids, I feel like it's my job to prepare my kids for the world. With Kai, I feel like it's my job to work really hard preparing the world for my child. I pray for our leaders who refuse to be educated about what LGBTQ really is. Um, because the, the, all the science, all the data, all the real information, it's there. I pray for the church to become more like Jesus. I think we need to put more money into public education so that we don't have our next society um, still being so closed-minded. I, I, when I pray for Kai, it's mostly praying for other people to change for her. I worry. You pray for a safer world. I pray for a safer world. I pray for a kinder world for all of our kids. But, you know, I have so many fears that I don't have to have for my other kids, right? Like, you know, my daughter's driver's license will say female, but if she's pulled over at 16 years old and they frisk her, will she be safe? Those are real concerns that transgender women, you know, can tell so many stories about the horrible things that happen to them. And I, transgender women are murdered in a hate crime at really alarming rates especially women of color. Um, Suicide is so high for them, right? And these are all things that would change if society would change, if education would be our goal in making decisions. Well, we're almost out of time, but in thinking about creating safer communities, what would you tell parents who are just discovering that their son or daughter is trans or gay or bi or lesbian? What what, what would you tell them? I would say love them. Tell them that you love them. You can tell them that this is a process and that maybe you need a little time, but that you love them. And then I would say, please try to find some good resources and a good group because you can't ask your kid to give you time to, um, to, to go through this process. If you're not actually seeking out wise counsel, um, it's so important because even, even at 48 years old, it's hard to not have your mom or your dad or your aunts or your siblings. It's hard. So I I would say if your kid is just coming out to you, you should, one, feel so fortunate and blessed that your kid trusts you to even tell you. Um, Tell them that you love them. And if it's hard for you, find a safe place. Like I found Serendipity Doodah for Moms online. That was my safe place. And I I don't know where Kai would be now if I hadn't found the right people to help me on my journey. Kimberly, I am a gay man whose father has not spoken to me in many years, so I want to just let you know how much I appreciate your strength and your courage and your willingness to be 
tenacious in this journey. So thank you for joining us today. It's always a pleasure. Do you know any LGBT couples with interesting stories and wisdom to share on the show? Jeff would love to meet them. So please contact him through the website at qmarriagementors.com. Until next time, thanks for listening and have a great week.